Welcome to the Ray of Hope Church podcast. We believe that hope changes everything, so get ready for an encouraging message from the Word of God. We pray that you would receive wisdom and revelation as you grow in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I greet you in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it is good to be back at Ray of Hope. You people have been so kind to me for over the, over the years, and I always try to keep track of dates and things, and uh, uh, it doesn't seem possible, but I've been coming here for nine years now, and uh, you guys have been so kind, and Pastor has just been so wonderful to invite me back, and I just really appreciate it. I really do. You all are a wonderful group of people. And man, I tell you one thing, I wish I had something to say that was as good as this music I've heard this morning. I, I really do. Wow. Man, you guys just, there, there were some couple songs there. Pastor, he reached over and said, man, that, that sort of goes along with what you're talking about today. And really does. And so I just thank God for the way that the presence of the Lord is with us today. I want to take a moment and just thank you all for your concern for me and my family. Uh, most of you know that uh, I lost my wife this year. And uh, I told him in the first service, and I hope no one will um, be offended when I say things the way I say them, but uh, uh, I don't know how your 2018 was. Mine sucked. Okay, all right, just, there you go. Um, we found out in December of 2017 that um, they diagnosed my wife with leukemia. And then uh, we found out that she had one of the rarest forms of uh, leukemia that's known. In fact, the, there where we live at, we had access to Vanderbilt Hospital. And there's a man there that is, people come from literally all over the world to him. And he said he'd only ever seen five cases of it, of the type of leukemia that she had. And so uh, we uh, just waited out and she tried some treatments they didn't do any good and uh and so she passed in june and so uh, uh and then for the rest of that year uh you know just me and my girls and my grandkids we just sort of hunkered down a little bit and the pastor started calling and wondering if i was going to get back out or when i was going to get back out and so i tell you what i've been doing i've been going to churches that I'm, I feel very safe at, <laughs> uh, really, to where I'm, I have a closeness with the pastor and a closeness with the people, and it seemed like God, so I just sort of been hanging out at safe places. And you say, well, brother, you sound like to me you're a coward. Yeah, that's about it. I, I don't argue with that. <laughs> but I want to tell you one thing. When I found out when, when Sandra passed, I contacted uh, some pastor friends and your pastor was in a conference and when he received the word and uh, he took time out at that conference to call me, pray with me, pray over my family and uh, he will just, that meant so much. You know, it's not like he doesn't have anything to do. I mean, you know, he's got quite a bit of responsibility and uh, for him to take time and to reach out to me and my 
my girls, we, I really appreciate that. Appreciate this church. And so uh, we're just going to go ahead and get started. I want to read something from the Bible for my text. And I'm really embarrassed to read this because it is probably not very uplifting. Okay, turn with me please to the book of Ecclesiastes and go to chapter 9. And I hope before I get done, maybe this will make some sense to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and I'm going to start reading at verse 14. Now, I'm warning you again, nothing uplifting here. So just get ready. Starting at verse 14, there was a little city with a few men in it, and a great king came against it, besieged it, built great snares around it. Now there was found in it, or in that city, a poor wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no one remembered that same poor man. Anybody want to say that's horrible? I mean, that's just sad. That is some sad stuff. You got the picture? This little old small community, small town, surrounded by this massive army, going to be destroyed. And this poor guy, we don't even know his name. We don't know anything about him at all. Just that this poor wise man, what he did, we don't know. Doesn't tell us anything what he did. But because of his wisdom, the city was spared. My goodness. And then... No one remembered him. No plaques, no statues, no memorials, no medals, no nothing. They just forgot the guy. The first time I read this years and years and years ago, the first thing that hit me was this, man, that's not right. That's just a sorry story. I don't even know why it's in the Bible. It is certainly not helpful. But then as I think more about it and read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, did you know the book of Ecclesiastes is not a very uplifting book? Because it's written by Solomon and and he is examining life strictly through human eyes. That's all he's doing. He's trying to figure out Life. He's trying to figure out how it works. And the more he looks at it, the more confused he gets. And the more he tries to understand it, the less he understands it. And, and you know, the key word in, that, in the whole book is vanity. Vanity of vanities. And it's simply like this. It, it, it's something that looks good, but then when you examine it, it's empty. It's like if I would give you a beautiful box all wrapped up with beautiful paper and lovely ribbons and I'd present it to you and you'd get so excited and you'd rip off the paper and rip off the ribbon and open up the box and the thing's empty. Well, that's vanity. That's vanity. And that's what Solomon was doing. And he tells us stories throughout that book about things in life that it's just not right. And so that's what I want to talk about today. 
I'm going to be talking about dealing with the unfairnesses of life. Anybody know anything about that? I, I, I tell you, most people do. And, and if you haven't been there yet, well, live a little longer. <laughs> it's going to show up somewhere on the line. There's going to be something in your life that's just not going to seem quite right and you're going to just throw up your hands and you're going to be overwhelmed at times and you're going to feel like screaming out, this is not fair. It's not fair. And you know what I've noticed though in my years in the ministry? Many times, not always, but many times, unbelievers handle the unfairnesses of life better than believers. I've noticed that. Oh, that got quiet, but it's the truth. And I'm going to tell you why that unbelievers sometimes have a very difficult time handling situations that seem unfair. It's because of some of the things that they have tried to believe and some of the things they've tried to live by and those things just don't hold water sometimes. For instance, many people believe that there is something inherently bad about any kind of problem you have. If it's any kind of a problem, no matter what it is, if it's your finances, if it's whatever, if it's bad, then that pro if that problem is bad, it's got to be satanic, and so we start rebuking devils. Oh, come on. We bind and loose about everything. You know? <laughs> I had a woman in my, one of my revivals come up to me one time and said, Brother, and I'm not making fun of people that have these problems, but she came up and she said, Brother, I'm, I'm having problems. I'm, I'm very nervous. And so I want you to just rebuke every nerve in my body. And I said, Well, hon, we might need to keep a few. Yeah, let, let, let's, let's don't get rid of all of them here. But that's how we sort of do things sometimes in charismatic and Pentecostal ranks. We, if it's bad, brother, it's got to be the devil. And we, everybody turns into, into R.W. Shambach. And we just start binding and loosening. Or else you got people that believe that uh, it's a reward of those problems is a reward of uh, probably disobedience or maybe hidden sin. There are other people that believe this, that if I work hard, plan carefully, think everything through real clearly, cross all my T's, dot all my I's, do everything right, that I will be rewarded with a problem-free life. That's right, I've met some of those folks. Many others, I've met these, these that believe, well, if you come to Jesus, you serve him diligently, and you seek after perfect faith by all your tapes. <laughs> Get all your books, listen to all the faith teaching that you can, and if you do all of this, then on this planet earth, you can just about enjoy heaven. 
And then what happens? Unfairnesses show up. Lose our job. Uh, one of the kids gets sick. Uh, bad stuff takes place. Bad report from the doctor. Incurable diseases. We bury loved ones. So now, what do we do? Well, I'll tell you what happens to a lot of people whose faith and their, what they call faith, it's become unrealistic. Their faith has become impractical. And their faith is not scriptural. They have tried to believe faith in faith. And they've tried to get to the place that there's never a negative thought in their mind. They never have one lapse of uh, uh, any kind of, uh, we're positive all the time. No tears, brother, we're not going to have that. And so I've seen many of these folks, when catastrophe hits, they not only lose their faith, they, they become confused in every area in their life. And I've known some of them that even turn into pure old skeptics. And you cannot talk to them anymore about the Bible. I, I shared this with Pastor last night. I, I, I knew somebody when I, when I pastored in Mobile. I was there from 1988 to 1994. And a situation arose and it was horrible. This young lady passed. Uh, and her mother became so angry, mad at God, and her mother was one of the was one of these strong faith people. When everything was good, she she had all the oh man, she had it all. She could rebuke you if you even acted like. I remember one time when Sandra and I was just getting our act back together, and new people to know our testimony, we'd lost everything, and we. We're starting all over, man. Lost my house, lost my business, broke as a goat. Moved into an apartment with two teenage girls. That'll humble you fast. Yeah. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, we're broken. I remember I bumped into her one time and, how are things going, brother? <laughs> and I said, well, things are a little tough. Well, the reason they're tough is because you're saying they're tough. I said, pardon me? She said, yeah. Say, don't you know it's the devil that stole your money? I said, really? I said, oh, okay. And she said, but he don't know it until you say it. <laughs> See, now I'm not very deep, but I can't make, I can't get my head wrapped around that. If the devil stole my money, but he don't know he stole it until I'm saying I'm broke. It doesn't make much sense. But anyway, that's that kind of, you just claim it. You know, you just claim it. No, I tried that and that didn't work. They told me to call it in from the four winds. I tried that. That didn't work either. I, well, I'll never forget. I went out in the parking lot of the apartment complex one night. And I was afraid to do it in the daytime. I was afraid somebody would see me. And I remember I went out in the daytime and I'd, uh, in the nighttime, when I spoke to the north and the south and the east and the west, give it up! <laughs> That's what they told me to do. It didn't work. But anyway, this is the kind of person she was. 
Boy, but when catastrophe hit and she lost her daughter, she lost everything. Angry, mad. Last time I had track, uh, she's become alcoholic. She's gone through two marriages. Her whole life's a mess. And I, I, my heart hurts for that. But the reason is, when the unfairnesses of life showed up, she didn't know what to do. She didn't know what to do. She had something that was not real, that was not scriptural. By the way, can I just tell you some things real quick? Let me just give you some things in the Bible. Did you know that the Bible is filled with things that's unfair? I mean, stuff that's unfair. I mean, let's just start right out at Genesis. You know the story of Abel? Huh? I mean, Abel offered up a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. His brother didn't. Old Cain, did, he messed up. He didn't. Who gets murdered? The good guy. That's not fair. That's, there's nothing fair about that at all. What about the mistreatment of Joseph? My goodness, this guy was hated by his brothers, thrown in a pit, ended up in prison. I mean, people lying on him. I mean, this guy was just, he went through more stuff. That's not fair. Moses, Caleb, Joshua, <laughs> they had to wander through the wilderness for 40 years. Not because of their unbelief, but because of a nation that would not trust God and obey him. But they had to go around for 40 years. That's not fair. Right? What about Elijah? Ready? You know that prophet of fire? Man, when it come time for him to go, he went up in a whirlwind. Or, pardon me, went up chariot of fire. Horses, man, it was a tremendous, tremendous leaving this world. Woo! So exciting. A double portion of his spirit rested upon Elisha. Well, he should have had a bigger chariot. He should have had more horses carrying him away because he actually performed twice as many miracles. But the Bible said Elisha died with a disease. Hmm. Don't seem fair to me. Daniel was rescued from the lion's den. But poor old Jeremiah, all he did was weep over a backslidden nation. His heart was broken over those people. But according to Jewish history, he was not only imprisoned, but he was actually sawn in two. You could go on and on and on about unfairnesses. But here's truth. This is the truth I want you to listen to and get it. We cannot control everything that happens in our life. But we do have some control over how we choose to react when these unfair things happen to us. 
Anything going on unfair in your life? Well, I just got laid off. Oh, we just got a bad diagnosis from the doctor. Oh, this is going on. This is going on. My kids, you know, what's going on? Got some bad stuff going on? Here's my question. What you doing with it? How you reacting to it? Now this I can tell you with all honesty right here. And after we found out about Sandra, I started examining things that I'd preached over the years. And one thing, and I certainly don't mean this boasting, but I came to find out some of the things I've tried to preach over the years are true. And I said to Sandra, baby, we're going to walk in these things. I use, I've always tried to tell people, keep your eyes on Jesus, not on the problem. And I said, baby, we're going to walk in that. We're going to do that. And I said, we've had devotions together for years. We're going to keep on doing that. We don't feel like it. We're going to do it anyhow. I always have preached to people for years. If you don't feel like it, you praise him anyhow. If tears are coming down your face, you bless him anyhow. I've for years I've told people concentrate on obedience. Concentrate on obedience. Don't concentrate on what you feel or what you think. Stay on obedience. Stay on that line. And I said, baby, that's what we're going to do. And she is in total agreement. And we did this thing. And so I feel like I've got some pretty good grounds to talk about what I'm telling you. And here's some things that I want to share with you that will help you. I know it will if you listen to it. If you're going through a bad time or you're feeling like life is treating you poorly and life is just unfair. Here's the first thing. You ready? You've got to choose to believe in a God who is sovereign. Anybody want to say amen? amen? You make that choice. Is he the God that is God Almighty? Is he the God who is perfect in all of his ways? Is he the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing? All is he that God that's always present? Has anything concerning God changed? What are you choosing to believe? Are you choosing that, that this God is a God that can help me right now in the situation that I'm in? Now, question, is this God going to do it the way I tell him to do it? Could have a problem right there. Is God going to do it the way I want him to do it? And you say, well, brother, just claim it. Well, claim it, honey. I don't care. Speak it, claim it, stomp it, spit it. I don't care. But somewhere along the line, you're going to have to say this. I'm putting the situation into the hands of a sovereign God. And I can trust him. Come on, give him a, hey, you're going to clap, clap. I can trust him. One thing I've tried to preach over the years about trust is this. That trust ultimately is this. That I believe that God's will will ultimately be, whatever that perfect will is, it will ultimately be done in my life. 
I've tried to preach that. I've tried to live by that. In these last several months, I've tried to, I had to make sure, do I believe that or was it just something that sounds spiritual? Come to find out it is true. My daughters and my grandchildren, we've walked in this thing now for over six months because we trust this God. Amen. He is the sovereign God. Now, there are times that this God allows a miracle to take place. No question about it. And by the way, can I just tell you real quick what I found out about a miracle? If you can explain it, it's not a miracle. If you can get out your slide rule and calculator and make sense out of it, then it's not a miracle. Can't explain a real miracle. I shared with them in the first service, and maybe you people have seen the, the lady on, uh, she, they've been on, seven, uh, on TBN, they've been on James Robinson, uh, Bishop Levy Knox and his wife from Mobile, Alabama. She was in a car accident many years ago, and she was in a wheelchair for 22 years. And then one night, and they was in the service, and she started feeling movement in her legs. Hadn't felt anything in her legs in, in 22 years. Well, Delia, her name is Delia. Delia is now walking. Has been walking now for about six years. You'd never know anything was ever wrong with her. They wasn't asking for a healing. Do you know how many times she'd been prayed for in 22 years? She told me she got to the place she wouldn't even go to a church where they was playing for, if she knew they was going to have like prayer for the sick at night, they wouldn't, she wouldn't go. Why? She said, man, I've had people rebuke devils out of me for years. And here she is, one of the greatest gospel singers you're ever going to hear. But they'd rebuke devils. She said, I've been picked up, dropped on the floor, people trying to get me to walk. That's right. Just believe, sister, believe. Boom. And she's the one that falls on the floor. But they're sitting in church one night. She reached over and touched Levy and said, I feel tingling and something in my legs. Hadn't felt anything in 22 years. And if she walked through that door right now, you'd never know it. Uh, it's, it's amazing. Uh, do they try to explain it? No. It just happened. Why? There's a sovereign God. For some reason, he decided to do that. Now, the only real problem in the whole thing, according to what uh, Brother Knox has shared with me, is how much money he has paid and spent on high heels. <laughs> <laughs> the woman likes high heels. But you say, well, Brother Boulder, I, you really know these people? Well, I was best man at their wedding, if that's good enough for you. You know, we're close. I trust him with my life. He spoke at my wife's memorial service. He and Delia were there. And I'm just trying to tell you this. Sometimes God chooses to let the miraculous take place. Sometimes he limits what is going on. Sometimes he does absolutely what we consider nothing. Nobody said amen, but it's truth. But if you can believe that and trust this God, I'm telling you, I believe something wonderful happens. Now, I want to share this with you. 
If you will ask this God, God, give me faith. Help me to trust you. He will. And the results of trusting in a sovereign God, I, I, I believe there's some marvelous positive things about that. Can, let me just share it with you. Here's the first thing. If you trust in this sovereign God, even during a time when you, nothing really makes much sense, it will keep you from anxiety. Because many times when we're going through uh, unpleasant times, we try to figure out why. Anybody here beside me? Yeah. Okay, why? And so then we start thinking, well, it's my fault. Oh, it's my wife's fault. It's my husband's fault. It's, it's somebody's fault. Or then we go, for, I should have done more. I should have done more. If I would have prayed more. If I would have fasted more. Okay, let me ask you. If you got a loved one that's sick, how much are you going to have to fast before a miracle shows up? You're going to have to get down to 98 pounds before God does it. When's it, when's it enough? How much are you supposed to pray? Hmm? 24 hours a day, never get off your knees? Everybody still here? How much are you supposed to do at the church? How much churchy things are you supposed to do before God does something? All you're going to do with that kind of thinking is build up your anxiety. You're going to get so flustered with yourself. You're going to get flustered with everybody else. But I am telling you, because I know this is true, if you will just surrender the whole thing to the Lord who is sovereign and trust him, the first thing you're going to notice is peace is going to be there. You say, well, Brother Bodie, does that mean I won't cry? Oh, absolutely not. No, you're going to cry. Trust me, you're going to cry. Trust me, you're going to sense grief. But I want to tell you one thing you will not have is anxiety. Because I've turned that over to the Lord and I can trust this God. I trusted him with my wife. I trusted him with my children. I've trusted him with my my eternal soul, I trust him. Anxiety is gone if I do that. And by the way, how often do I do it? You do it every day. Because it'll try to come back in. Some of these old habits are hard to break. You know, and we'll end up doing it. No, no, I'm not going to have that. I trust God. You just, these songs like we sing, oh, that thing about God is so good. Man, oh man, he is good. And, and the words that all that went with that song, I, I tell you what, that thing ministered to me. <laughs> it ministered to me. Why? Because I found out that I can trust this God and that he is sovereign. Next thing it's going to do to you, not only is it going to help you with your anxiety, it's going to help you when you are bombarded 
with a bunch of questions from church people. I shouldn't have said that, should I? But, oh, Brian, how do you explain this? If you think God's all-powerful, then why didn't God heal her? If you think God can do this, how come that happened? How come your thing happened? You can't answer all those questions. But I can tell you one thing. I shut it all down real quick by simply saying this. I trust in a sovereign God. And that's where I end the discussion. No more questions. Don't ask me any more questions. Because that's going to be my answer on any question you give me. I trust this sovereign God. I trust him. He's wise. He's smart. He knows the end from the beginning. He saw things in the future. He knows things much better than I. And I trust that God. Amen? Amen. i tell you another thing it'll help you with. It'll help you with your pride. <laughs> because I want to tell you one thing. We have a bad, bad, bad habit in this country. Uh, if God does do something great for us, we automatically become an authority. <laughs> Have you ever noticed it? If God helps us out of a mess, we become an authority. We become an authority. Uh, how, ten easy steps on how, you know. But I'm going to tell you something about dealing with a sovereign God. Anything that's good, give him the credit for it. All right? Don't you ever take the credit for it. And oh, how often it happens that when things turn around in our lives and the blessings start flowing in our lives, how often is it that we accept some of the glory when we have absolutely nothing to do with any of it. Amen? So I am just so thankful that I have this sovereign God. I don't know about you, but I feel his presence. I feel his peace. Amen? All right. The next thing I want to deal with is this thing. You better understand faith. Faith is a word that we use so much, and it is a great word. But I, I think sometimes that we're after something that we think it's almost like uh, a magic wand. If I can just find that, if I can just get a hold of that, that, that thing called faith, and I can just wave that faith around and everything's going to get into place. And it's, I want to just tell you something. If I look at the scripture, there's, there's a lot of things I really don't understand. One of the things is I've seen in the scripture God do great things and I wonder whose faith caused it. Let me give you an example. Do you remember when Peter was in prison and prayer was being made for him by the church? Well, I know Peter wasn't doing any praying. He was asleep. You remember? So I don't know if that was just a sense of contentment on his part and he went sound asleep. But I do know there was this prayer meeting going on on his behalf. And you say, well, brother, that was it. Those people had faith. I'm telling you, that angel came, delivered him out of prison. Woo! 
we shout and all of that. And my question is this. Have you ever noticed that when Peter got older where the prayer meeting was at, they didn't believe it? It was easier for him to get out of jail than it was to get into prayer meeting. Remember that little girl went to the door and said, who is it? And he said, it's Peter. He, she went back and told the folks, oh, no, it's not. No, it's not. He's in prison. He's in prison. So my question is, you, you say if faith is what caused that to happen, whose faith was it? Now, you that know my testimony, and bless your heart, you're so kind, and if you're new to this fellowship and you don't know it, I sure don't have time to go into it. But I want to tell you one thing. I know what it is to be in an impossible situation. And 40-something years ago, I was in jail, and they told me I was going to get 35 years in prison. And I want to tell you, that thing turned around, and I walked. Guilty of sin. Really? So, I, what I need to do, brother, is to write a book on 10 ways to miss prison. <laughs> Step on him. So what do you do? Well, I can tell you back in those days, not one positive thing was coming out of my mouth. I would tell everybody, I'm going away. My lawyer said I'm going to get 35 years. So I'm, I'm going away for a long time. That was coming out of my mouth. So evidently, you don't get everything that comes out of your mouth. Amen. Thank you. Bingo. Somebody just said it. I am telling you, that's my answer. Mercy. Mercy is when you do not get what you deserve. That comes from God and God alone. Amen. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you today? This thing of faith is a little confusing. Pray. Stand on your scripture. Hold on to God the best you know how. Hold on to his promises. But listen to me. God is the one that has the last word. Here's what I'm trying to, here's another question I got concerning Peter. What happened years later? He died the death of a martyr. Hello? Did his faith fail him? Nope. But there's a sovereign God and I can trust him. And evidently Peter understood because he requested to be crucified upside down, I'm told, uh, in Fox's Book of Martyrs. He felt himself unworthy to be crucified like the Lord. What about those things? What about Paul? You remember Paul and Silas? And that great thing that happened with them, they remember they prayed and sang, and, and, and the midnight hour, deliverance came, the jailer got saved, revival broke out. Hey, faith! 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 But years later, Paul's back in jail. And he says, the time of my departure is at hand. Finished the course, kept the faith. He didn't come out of that jail that time. 
Had he lost his faith? No. He still had his faith. All those guys that died in faith, they still had it. Don't get manifestation and faith mixed up. Do you know what I'm praying for? I'm praying for faith for endurance. I just want to be faithful to God in my walk with him. And whatever doors he opens up, try to walk through them. That's it. That's all I want to do. I'm not asking, I'm not trying to have enough faith to where I can get a new car. You know, my old Mazda still getting me around fine. I'm doing great. Drove out here this time, going to drive back tomorrow, uh, go back, head back tomorrow. Hey, I'm doing fine. Got a good place to live. Don't have to have faith for a new house or bigger house or anything. Got everything. Are you know what I'm saying? I'm just trying to tell you this. I'm asking God, just give me faith to where I can be faithful to you, faithful to whatever you doors you open. That's all I'm to do. I want to be faithful to be around my children and my grandchildren and try to teach some things to them and try to impart some things to them. It's all I want to do in my life. And I can do that because he'll give me the faith to endure on this planet every day of my life. It'll be there. Can you say amen? Oh, Pastor and I was talking about some of this last night at supper. But, you know, what about, here's old Paul. And you talk about a guy. Whew, man, this guy had visions. He had dreams. He started churches. I mean, he wrote 13 books of the New Testament. I mean, this guy just, he's got it, man. He speaks in tongues all the time. He has so many revelations. God has to give him a thorn in the flesh so people won't think he's an angel. Yeah. So he went to the Lord about that. Remember? I said he went to the Lord about that. And it's amazing to me he didn't bind and loose. But anyway, that's a whole other story. He just asked the Lord to remove the thorn. Whatever that was, we're not sure. Great controversy on that. But whatever it was, it was something that he wanted to get rid of. Uh-oh. And then all of a sudden, he gets the answer. Pray more. No. Fast more. No. Preach more. Do more churchy stuff. No. The Lord said, I'm not going to take it away. But I will give you the grace. I'll give you the grace that you can handle it. You can endure it. And it's something. Is that the kind of faith that you're after? I think it'll help you deal with the unfairnesses of life. And one more thing, and I've got to quit. Listen to me closely. Here's the thing that I believe will just sort of put the icing on the cake. If you get your mind geared to this, that this life is fleeting for all of us. Now, you young people here, this don't mean a whole lot to you right now. I mean, really, it didn't to me either when I was your age, when these old preachers would get up and talk about life. You know, my Lord, I got shoes older than you are, honey. Dear God. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just telling you, the older I get, the happier I get about the fact 
that there is an eternal God. He is sovereign. He has an eternal kingdom. And because of his grace, I have a place in it. And when this life is over, and when it's going to be, I don't know. I'm going to be 75 years old in April. So I don't know how much longer it's going to be. Might be a year, might be five. I don't know. Man, my wife went quick, you know. Happened so fast. So I might have another year. I don't know. As far as I know, I'm healthy. Uh, don't know. But I know if it's 80, 85, both my grandmothers lived to be 93. Dear God, the wrinkles. Can you imagine the wrinkles <laughs> at, at 93? I'm just trying to tell you, folks, one of these days, whether it's now or later, we're all leaving here. But the thing that really helps me handle unfairnesses of life, that I do believe there's going to come a time when all of that's going to cease. And whatever that means to get into the presence of the Lord, it's going to be a glorious thing. And it will be a wonderful thing. Amen? Amen. I remember the last thing that I heard my wife consciously say, she would go in and out and she would see me and she'd say, Richard. And she'd see the girls speak their names, see the grandchildren speak their names. But the last thing I heard my wife say was, I love the Lord. That's it. You know why? Because she knew there's something better than this. If a miracle would have taken place and she'd have been healed, well, how many more years would I have been happy with? Ten more? Would I, would I say, it's okay now, Lord? Fifteen more? When would I have been to the place that I would have agreed with her going? Never. Bingo. Loved her. Got married with his kids. Fifty-four years is a long time to live with somebody. But I am trying to tell you this. The day's going to come to when any of those things are going to be gone. And we will be in the presence of the Lord. And it's going to be all right. So with these thoughts in mind, I believe I can handle any unfairness of life. Don't you? Let's stand together. We are so thankful you joined us today. We would love to hear from you at rayofhopepodcast at gmail.com. Let us know how you are encouraged and how we can pray for you. Remember, Christ in you is the hope of glory. And hope changes everything.